athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. You're locked in to the Dopey Show on radio from the press box to press row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. I am your host, Donald Ware. We got a lot to get to on today's program. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope you're continuing to stay safe as this coronavirus really ramps up. There is a vaccine that is on the way, but we still must continue to stay diligent, stay safe until the vaccine is distributed. So it's not time to let our guard down. Must continue to mask up and stay safe. Listen, as I mentioned, we're going to talk some top 25 college football today on the program, including, love this, Coastal Carolina and BYU are going to get together. It was a game that came together really I guess what, in the last couple of days or so, and so this is a great top 25 matchup. You have a Coastal Carolina program that is uh, really making some noise, right? Like undefeated on the season, making a lot of noise. Um, Again, as I talked with Chris Fowler on last week, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, going back to that 2000, either 13 or 14 season, again, I remember when Coastal Carolina came to North Carolina A&T got out of there with a one point victory as A&T missed a field goal and of course Coastal Carolina at that time was in FCS and even if you look at Coastal Carolina maybe a year later or something they they won the baseball national championship Uh, and again baseball's all division one basketball's all division one the only tier you have with respect to division one and a particular sport is in football where you go FBS and FCS. But listen, I mean, you're only talking about a couple of, not that long ago, where Coastal Carolina was an FCS program, and now uh, not only is an FBS program, but is ranked in the top 20 in the country. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, number 16. And then you got BYU, who's also undefeated um, and was looking to have a shot at that national championship. Like, I don't think that's going to happen um, at this point, as a matter of fact, it's not going to happen really at this point. Too many things would need to happen at this point. But I think that is absolutely phenomenal. And we're talking about two. I mean, you're talking about uh, Coastal Carolinas in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And BYU, I don't know exactly, is in Utah. I'm not sure. Is it, in, it may be in Salt. It may even be in Salt Lake City. But it's in Utah. So you're talking about those two teams getting together on short note, uh, short notice. I'm sure it's something they had been working on with holes in the schedules and 
cancellations of games and so on and so forth. So this, I'm, I'm in, like, I'm, I'm there for that. Like, I'm there for these two programs. Again, I'm looking at a Coastal Carolina that was just an FCS program six or seven years ago, and then I'm looking at a BYU program that is also undefeated. But not only that, is not part of the Power Five structure yet is making some serious noise. I'm there for that football game on tomorrow. So we're going to talk about that, talk some uh, some some college football top 25 today on the program. I also want to talk about a couple of different things. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, we're going to talk some, some college basketball today on the program as college basketball uh, right now is in its second week. You've had quite a few cancellations of some games. Uh, we're going to talk with Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones on the program. The Spartans are two and one on the season. Got a home, got a home tilt. As a matter of fact, on Monday, that Battle of the Bay in the Tidewater area against Hampton. That's going to be. Uh, listen, Hampton's coming off a big win over George Washington. We, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had the head men's basketball coach uh, of of, of uh, Hampton on the program, Buck Joyner, uh, joined us. So you look at Hampton coming off a nice win over George Washington, their only game to this point. And again, that battle of the Bay, you're looking at Norfolk State with a 2-1 and one start. So excited uh, to be joined on this program a little bit later on by Norfolk State head men's basketball coach, Robert Jones. Listen, uh, you know, Mercure Maker, like you, if you've listened to this program, you've heard us talk about Mercure Maker like almost every week. If you've, I mean, and not just this program, as of course we place a major emphasis on HBCU sports or historically black college and university sports. But I mean, major, I mean, every, everybody's been talking about Mercure Maker ever since he committed to Howard back on July the 2nd and then ultimately signed his national letter of intent because my thought was always, okay, what, you know, why hasn't he signed? Took him a while to sign, but from my understanding, that was more of a logistical thing. I had thought maybe, you know, he he could have opted out of that, right? Uh, He could have committed to another school depending upon what was going to happen with his NBA status, which by the way had dropped uh, a little bit. He, He was projected to be like an NBA, a first round pick. And then, it dropped a little bit after maybe a, uh, a a showcase or two didn't do as well. Ultimately decided, hey, I want to go to Howard um, and play there. But Mercure Maker is injured. So he's injured now, and he's out indefinitely. He's got a groin injury, and he's out indefinitely. So it, it, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've read some, you know, where some people have written. I've written about this, and you can go to our website at boxtorow.com. I wrote. A, a piece about this because, you know, my thing is, I think I don't know this, but I think Howard may be treating his groin injury um, a, a, a little bit um, uh, being very cautious, shall we say, with the groin injury because he's got a, like the kids got a future. There's no doubt he could, you know, I mean, next year, if he wanted to, could go play pro ball. Uh, right. He's got that kind of talent. No question about it. Um, but my thing is this. With respect to HBCUs, and, and I'm an HBCU grad. Like, I'm, I'm a Morgan State grad. I'm an alum. Like, true HBCUers who have been through 
the, 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 the process at our respective schools. I mean, our schools have been in existence for uh, almost 184 years. And through that 184 years, we have endured uh, being underfunded, uh, more specifically at the state school level, uh, because private is private, but more specifically at the state school level, we have endured uh, severe racism uh, and all of those things yet have been able to survive in excess of a hundred strong uh, for 184 years. Well, you know what? Uh, it's time to stop relying on four and five star guys with re- uh, recruits with respect to basketball to trying to uh, in terms of trying to promote our programs. We can do this on our own. And I've given a, I gave a couple of examples in the piece that I did, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about it. You look at, uh, uh, you look at a, a, uh, uh, you, you look at North Carolina, Central Lavelle Moton, right? The head coach there at his alma mater. Uh, he's won. The Eagles have won three straight MIAC tournament championships Four in his tenure. He took over the program two years into the program, moving from division two to division one. He's built a program. He doesn't have, I don't think, I don't think there's been any four or five star kids in his program. He's been able to do it with his program and get it done. Now, you know, I mean, I I get it, you know, maker uh, with Howard. And this, this, this really the, this in the, what I'm going to talk about today. And then also, with respect to the piece that I did, okay, for Box to Row or, or, or on Box to Row.com. It's not about Maker. It's not about, it's about HBCUs and how we can build our programs. You look at what Lavelle Moton has done. You you go back uh, some years ago. Uh, look at what Ben Job uh, was able to do uh, as a whole, but then more specifically at Alabama State, build his program. I mean, and by the way, Ben Job should be not only in the College Basketball Hall of Fame, but also should be uh, given uh, strong consideration uh, for the Naismith uh, Memorial Hall of Fame. Coach the likes of Bobby Fields and Avery Johnson. 1993, at that time, Georgia Tech was the ACC tournament champion. First round of the NCAA tournament. Southern defeats Georgia Tech. Built strong programs. And even before, he's a graduate of Fisk. As a matter of fact, even before that, built, you know, a good program. uh, Built a program in the SIAC as well. So we've had coaches that have been able to build uh, programs. Less four and five star guys. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, today on the program as well. Well, wouldn't you know it, the ACC and the SEC in a bit of a spat right now. The SEC not happy with the ACC right now because the ACC said that uh, both Clemson and Notre Dame do not have to play uh, games on uh, the week before the ACC championship, meaning games on December 12th, both had games scheduled. The SEC obviously not happy with that because where we stand right now with the college football playoff, if it were to begin today, both Boston College and Clemson, excuse me, Boston College, Notre Dame and Clemson would both be in the college football playoff. It'd be the first time that a non-SEC, um, two schools 
that weren't from the SEC would be involved in the college football playoff and the BCS uh, uh, going back to the BCS days also championship game, by the way. So the SEC is the only conference to have had uh, BCS national champions play each other and then also uh, be part of the college football uh, playoff. And so that's where things sit right now. I mean, I think, you know, and these two teams are going to miss. And we'll talk more about that because I'm up against the break uh, actually here uh, on the program. Um, uh, if, you know, they're going to mean in Clemson and and uh, and, and uh, Notre Dame going to play for the ACC championship on December the 19th. They both have opponents uh, this week. Uh, and, and again, we'll talk more about that. They should win uh, their respective games. Um, but again, <laughs> it's like there's no love loss between the SEC and ACC. I was in the ACC uh, for a year, and I understand that there's no love loss there. I mean, it used to be. I mean, and 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 rightfully so. The ACC, you you know, I used to, coaches used to say to me, "Well, why does everybody, you know, we 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 play as good as football uh, in the ACC as they do in the SEC?" And this was back in the early part of the 2000s. No, Florida State play football better <laughs> than maybe a lot of the schools in the SEC. And then, you know, I, I can't remember if Clemson, Clemson probably was one of those teams to be reckoned with um, at that time uh, as well. But no love lost there. But now uh, it's the SEC that's not happy with the ACC. And I will say, I mean, the SEC, obviously, it's much better football. I mean, I, of the Power Five conferences, the ACC uh, is the weaker of the five top to bottom. Uh, maybe not this year, uh, obviously, because you add a Notre Dame, uh, right? Clemson's always good. Miami's good. Got to give a lot of props to Miami as well. But generally speaking, uh, it's the least of the conferences football-wise uh, when you're talking about the Power Fives. But the ACC does put quite a few players into the National Football League. Not that the SEC doesn't, but the ACC probably puts more players in the National Football League than you would think based upon when I look at the structure of the Power Five and how good the respective conferences are. So I've set the table for you. Got a lot to get to on today's program. Again, still to come. Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones on the program. Let's step aside, take a break, come back with more. You're locked into From the Press Box to Press Row right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Hey, Mommy, what you doing? Just doing some online shopping. Great. While you're at it, can you order an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I ate the entire bag, and I was hoping you could help me replace it before he notices. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good. 
And Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Major shots out to all of our listeners on the West Coast. Not quite 4.30 out West. Thank you for making From the Press Box to Press Row a part of your day. Wasn't Snoop just absolutely great last week? If you happen to had a chance to see, actually, the Nate Robinson fight. Boy, Nate Robinson got knocked out, the precursor to the Tyson and Jones fight. And, uh, Snoop, which is off the chain. Oh, Lord, he was praying uh, for Nate Robinson, who, I mean, Nate Robinson got seriously uh, knocked out. But I thought Snoop was very entertaining last week. It was very funny uh, as a matter of fact. And during, of course, that Jones and Tyson bout, and then the the bouts leading up to that particular bout. So, again, Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach in Norfolk State, going to join us on the program. Listen, you can join us here on the program. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on our Facebook page, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. We can also be found uh, on Instagram at Box to Row as well, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. On my personal Twitter account, at dware one at dware one or uh, on my personal Instagram account, at WearDonald, at WearDonald. I'm going to talk about the McCure Maker situation. If you have any thoughts on the situation, maybe you've had a chance in the interim to read the piece um, that I did on BoxToRow.com, uh, just kind of sharing my thoughts, which I'm going to go over here and share some other thoughts about it um, as well. Please hit me up. Um, I'm open to having the discussion on it. So first off, when again, this announcement was made, he made the announcement uh, on Twitter, I believe it was on January the 2nd and indicated that uh, he had committed to Howard and everybody says, oh, he's the first five-star kid to commit to Howard. First five-star kid to commit to Howard. Well, um, you know, uh, guess what? Uh, five-star kids have been playing at, or not five-star to commit to Howard. First five-star kid to commit to HBCUs. Guess what? Five-star kids have been playing at HBCUs since the 40s, okay? So they just didn't call it five-star. So let's get that out of the way first uh, and uh, foremost. But when I heard about this and that he was going to be shut down indefinitely after only playing in two games, I just, you know, I had an, I just had an uneasy feeling about this because uh, again, from the moment he made the announcement is great. And we talked about it a lot on the show and I think it's great. You know, it's great for, uh, it's it's great exposure. It, 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 It at least raises the interest level for HBCUs in terms of some of those guys. And we've, we've, we've heard that a number of four and five star guys now, uh, maybe, maybe they already had interest, but you know, more interest. We're hearing more about 
those kind of uh, recruits at least having interest in HBCUs, okay? So it, it definitely was a good thing, and I'm not saying uh, that it wasn't. But, I mean, it, it you know, just sort of the way it was laid out, I mean, I, I, I was a little bit, to be honest with you, a little bit uneasy about it. I did a piece, as a matter of fact, uh, shortly thereafter uh, in Titan. You can also find it at BoxToRow.com entitled For This to Work, Maker Must Actually Play for Howard. And what I discussed in that was, hey, this is great, uh, but, you know, he's he, it, it can't be because at that time, remember, at that time, he hadn't signed the national letter of intent until you sign the national letter of intent. A commitment doesn't mean a whole lot when you the letter is signed, then you're signed to that program. And so at that time, he wasn't signed. So to me, the other options uh, playing NBA was not an option, but maybe playing overseas. Um the D League, I mean, that was the whole coronavirus thing was was still sort of, I don't want to say in its infancy, but we didn't know exactly where things stood with respect to the coronavirus or maybe committing to another school. So he finally signed. So that that was great. Um, to, as I mentioned before, I, I think, you know, maybe Howard's been a little bit more cautious than uh, then a maybe another school would be that was uh, you know you know power five school or w- whatever kind of school and I and I can understand that I mean the young man obviously has a future this this uh, situation with Howard um, was you know wasn't we knew it wasn't long term like it wasn't going to be long term it wasn't going to be a three or four year thing a year for sure perhaps. Uh, maybe two. I I don't even think it would have been two years, because he would have shown enough for him to to uh, because Howard would have played some quality opponents. I think one of the things that hurt this whole situation, first of all, is COVID. Obviously, COVID hurt this whole situation. I feel like uh, Howard uh, had a, would have had a plan in place uh, to market Mercure Maker to generate the revenue. In other words, to be able to. Um, ride this wave until the wave couldn't be ridden anymore, so to speak. I mean, revenue generation for uh, the university, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, uh, HBCUs would definitely be as a whole on display. This is the thing, though. Like, this isn't about Mercure Maker, okay? This is like, uh, again, I'm a Morgan State grad. HBCU alum know what I'm talking about. We, when you go to an HBCU, it's a different experience than any other, anything basically (laughs) you pretty much are going to experience in your life. And it prepares you like it's hard. You know, you go to some of the state schools and the bigger schools and some of the private schools that are some of the bigger schools. It's not like going to an HBCU is hard. Like you got to deal with a lot of stuff and it prepares you. That's the beauty. Like it prepares you. Okay. So we have to be able to build our programs, not necessarily with four and five star guys. Okay. And look, listen, I'm going to get, you got the Earl Lloyd's other word, Earl Lloyd played at West Virginia State, first black player to play in the NBA. Sam Jones, uh, uh, also Earl the Pearl Monroe, both uh, top 50 players of all time, Winston-Salem State, or or, or, excuse me, North Carolina Central and Winston-Salem State, respectively. Cleo Hill Sr., 
Wright got blackballed out of the uh, the the NBA, uh, played at Winston Salem State. Bobby Dandridge, Bobby D. We was talking about Norfolk State, played at Norfolk State. Bobby Fields uh, at Southern. Uh, Lindsey Hunter played at Jackson State. Ben Wallace, Virginia Union. Flip Murray played at Shaw. I mean, all of these players, and then more recently, you look at the Kylo Quinn. Speaking of Norfolk State, the Kylo Quinns of the world, and then of course Robert Covington in all defensive NBA guy who is now with the Portland Trailblazers still playing at a very high playing at a high level right so these guys all went to HBCUs these guys weren't four and five star guys you can build programs without not necessarily because again when especially when you're talking about five star guys it's one and done so those guys come into your program one year they're gone. Maybe they help you recruit some other players. Everybody knows if they come into the program, they're going to be gone in a year. So does does a does a a top recruit really want to come to that situation? Maybe, maybe not though. So I mean, you know, and again, I gave examples of guys that are HBCU Guys, HBCU grads, they feel it. They understand it. They know what it's like to have gone to an HBCU. They know what it means to be an HBCUer. Lavelle Moton, prime example, getting it done. And this is not a knock on anybody that's not an HBCU person. I'm just telling you it's a different feel when you're an HBCU person. Again, Lavelle Moton went to North Carolina Central. One of the greatest players to ever play for the Eagles when the Eagles were in the CIAA. Uh, you know, d- did his thing with with high school basketball, uh, came on as an assistant. He was an assistant the first two years that the Eagle program was in Division One, and then ultimately took over the program and has done great things. I mean, they, you know, some years ago, I guess maybe seven, beat NC State in overtime. You know, that's a, big, that's a big deal here in this area where we are in the triangle. That's a big deal when a a, a central program, a, a MEAC program can beat an ACC program. That's a big deal. You know, he's won uh, three straight MEAC tournament championships, uh, won four overall, a bunch of regular seasons, didn't have four or five-star guys, managed to build his program. Ben Job again, uh, should be in some Hall of Fames. Uh, right. Uh, you know what he was able to do um, at Southern. Bobby Fields, Avery Johnson, upset of Georgia Tech. It's a big win. Uh, a SWAC school can beat an AC school, an ACC school, particularly the champion, and during the NCAA tournament. Like if that were to happen, like like that was '93. That was before, you know. Uh, social media and all that. Think if that had happened more recently, like when Norfolk State beat Missouri going back to 2012 and when a Coppin State beats a South Carolina in the first round. So those are big wins, but Ben Job uh, was able to uh, to to do that with, uh, with his Southern team and had success at HBCUs. By the way, um, you know, I also spoke about, and I think this is also uh, a shame as well because it's about the whole HBCU experience. Do you know there are like seven, uh, there have only been like seven head coaches 
that are HBCU alums that have coached in the NBA, seven all time. Okay, and a couple of those coaches were uh, were were there for uh, just a you know a, a few games or two. You know, you, you look at Al Adels, the first and only HBCU grad to lead a, a an NBA team to a championship. Uh, when you think about the the war, the Golden State Warriors, um, you know, Avery Johnson was one, you know, Willis Reed. So you have some, but it's not a lot. And by the way, the the NFL should be also ashamed. There's only two um, uh, uh, HBCU guys to ever um, have uh, coached in the National Football League. Major League Baseball has three. So we got some work to do. But what my point is, We got to get this, as HBCUers, we got to get this thing done on our own. We got to try to get this. We can't rely, not saying, you know, don't get the four and five star guys. Like, but we can't rely on that. We have to do what we've seen a Lavelle Moten do now, what we saw a Ben Job do before, and what we've seen others that I haven't even mentioned or didn't even mention that have been able to build programs. Again, I invite you to read the piece on Box to Row. Dot com And you can give me your thoughts right here on Twitter at box to row on my personal Twitter account at dware one up next here on from the press box to press row. We're going to be joined by Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones. You got it locked on ESPNU radio on Sirius XM. Those who can do those who can't. Talk. Join Donald Ware in the conversation from the press box to press row. Let's continue here on from the press box to press row. We're joined by a gentleman who is in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. The Spartans are two and one on the season and have a battle on Monday against Hampton. Robert Jones joins us here on from the press box to press row. Coach Jones, welcome back to the program. Hey, how you doing? How's everything? Everything's good, man. I mean, you gotta you gotta feel pretty good. I know you're coming off the loss against Old Dominion, but two wins to start the season. One against James Madison, the other against Radford. Your thoughts on the early season? Early season's been good so far. You know, to, to win two out of your first three games uh, any season is great. I think to win out two out of the first three in this pandemic when we've had limited practice time and um, you know quarantine things like that. You know. It's, so you know to come out two out of two out of three, and I wish I would, wish it would have been three out of three last night, but to start off two and one is not a bad start. Yeah, what? Speak to the preparation in terms of uh, trying to get ready to start this season amidst a pandemic where you got a lot of games that are being rescheduled, games that are being canceled, teams that are being affected by uh, COVID nineteen. What was the preparation like to start the season? I mean, it was rough. You know, we didn't have summer um, workouts like we normally do to lay down a foundation. Uh, we barely had preseason workouts, uh, honestly. And um, then we jumped right into, like, the season. And then we had a quarantine at one point during the, during the early part of the preseason. And, you know, we really have only had our guys together for a full team practice uh, four times um, all, all year. So, you know, that's been rough. You know, uh, we've we've had like every now, you know, we'll have ten guys, we'll have eleven. Sometimes we have eight guys. Sometimes we will have twelve. But we've never had, we've we've only had fourteen guys together four times the whole year. So we're still on a process of learning each other on the fly, really. And now with no scrimmages, or exhibitions, 
these games are counting, but they're really like what they should be is our scrimmages and exhibitions right now. You know, so it's been um, it's been tough, and that's why I say we're fortunate enough uh, to 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 win two out of the, the first three games because a lot of teams uh, haven't done that. Yeah, speak to that opening victory. How your team played against James Madison in Harrisonburg on the road. You come away with the 83 to uh, 73 victory. Well, James Madison, you know, we came out the gate, uh, you know, we came out the gate with great energy. Um, you know, we knew we were playing somebody else on their home floor and we had to come out with great energy and we did that and we were able to sustain it, sustain it when they made their run. And then they made a run, took the lead, and we were able to get the lead back and uh, finish the game and uh, win by double digits. So, that was a great win. Also, you know, any you know, any in-state win is always a good win because a lot of times you don't get a chance to play these in-state schools for different reasons. And so whenever we get a chance to play them, we want to try to show that, you know, we're one of the best, you know, schools in Virginia. And, um, you know, we were able to get out there. And, of course, it's bragging rights. You know, let's not go too far away from that. Everybody wants to have bragging rights in their state. So, you know, to say the last time we played James Madison, the last time we played Radford, especially when you're in a recruiting battle, you can say that, you know, we beat those guys. Yeah, no question. I mean, in, in, you, mean, you get some good performances. Let's start with the performance by J.J. Matthews. He had a double-double, 18 points, 11 rebounds, was 12 of 14 from the free throw. Like he, was, he was being aggressive, obviously, in this game. Yeah, he was being really aggressive. Um, you know, and um, that's a heck of a debut, you know, 18 points, 11 rebounds. Um, so with him and his, and his ability to make free throws helped as well when he was being aggressive. Because, you know, a lot of times big guys are aggressive – and then they can't make a free throw, so it kind of negates their, their whole aggression. So, um, you know, for him to be able to make free throws and be aggressive for us was, was a big a big key in that James Madison win. Yeah, so because he, what, he started out at Townsend, right? So he's familiar with with CAA play. Yeah, but he actually never played at Townsend. He ended up going to, um, he, he just sat there, sat out one year, and then he went to uh, junior college, and then he went to Arkansas State. So he never played at Townsend. Okay, and then the win. I mean, obviously, you're playing a game in Harrisonburg. It's a uh, you know, it's a tournament. Uh, and then to to the point that you made, uh, coming up with the victory by three points, fifty seven to fifty four over Radford. Speak to that victory, uh, one in which you guys, you know, got off got off to a good first half start, uh, but ultimately had to to tussle with Radford there in the second half. Yeah, yeah, Radford, I mean, you know, they have a, a winning pedigree. You know, they're, they're the uh, back-to-back regular season, big, regular season Big South champs, if I believe. Um, so, um, you know, they have a winning pedigree, they have a winning culture, and we knew it was going to be a, a, a tough game for us. But once again, we were able to get a pretty good start, and then when they were able to make their run, we were able to hold them off and, um, you know, win the game at, at, towards the end. So that was two great wins on the road uh, right away for us. Yeah, I mean, t- speak to the the layup, you guys. You know, you got the free throw to untie the game, uh, making it fifty five to fifty four, and then ultimately uh, you get uh, or the, the the free throw. Then you get the layup to go ahead. Uh, ultimately, and you had to because I mean, you're talking about Radford had a couple of other uh, opportunities there. Had a missed three pointer, uh, pretty much at the buzzer. Yeah, without question. I mean, we had to get a, a defensive stop, and we were able to get it, and then we were able to you know escape with a victory. And, um, you know, it wasn't the prettiest of games, but like I tell people all the time, you know, you'd rather ugly win than a pretty loss. So um, we were able to do that. You know, we played some great defense up there in James Madison. Um, you know, we held both teams in the 30s, which is something that we strive for, and um, we were able to come out and, and, and win. And then we had a pretty good offensive output against James Madison with 83 points. So, um, you know, we kind of put it all together that weekend and um, 
to get into the third game of the season, which was last night. Yeah. Robert Jones is in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. Jones is here on From the Press Box. The Press Row, the Spartans are 2-1 and one on the season. You're trying to make it a trifecta, and I, I like this because your first – you know, first four games or so against Virginia teams, one against an old MEAC opponent uh, coming up next. What the Old Dominion game? Old Dominion's got a good program. Uh, what happened there? You 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 lose that game, eighty to sixty six. What was the key? Like what? You know, what what were some of the things that you didn't do that ultimately led to the loss? I mean, you know, that was an emotional game from the jump. Um, I think that we came out on the wrong end of the emotion at the beginning. You know, that was the first time, which you probably know, they they actually played on Norfolk State campus in 52 years. So it was like, a, you know, you know, and they're four and a half miles away from us. So that was like an emotional game. They came out, you know, they came out 11-0, honestly. And we were able to close the gap to a five-point game at halftime. And then we were able to close the gap again to a one-point game with, with, with five minutes left, four minutes left, I think it was. And um, we just couldn't get that stop that we needed to to flip the whole tide, and you know, like like you know, Old Dominion. Obviously, they're, they're a quality program. Um, that's a big in-city rivalry. Forget about the you know the in-state thing. That's that's within the same city as those two schools uh, are, are located. So um, we wanted to win that game. Um, we we're also a little upset that you know we couldn't give Old Dominion our full shot. You know, we wanted to. You know, we had a couple guys injured, uh, a couple key guys, Joe Bryan, which is you know as you know preseason All MEAC player, and Kashawn Hicks who was averaging 13 points a game for us uh, coming into that game. They, they both got hurt. So um, we were a little shorthanded, but I do like the way my guys fought um, through the, the shorthandedness and, and was able to, you know, almost be able to pull that game out. So, um, you know, that's something to build on, and we look forward to the next game. Yeah, no question. I think that's that's an interesting point that you make, I think. I mean, it's one thing with football if if – if Norfolk State plays Old Dominion, at least now because Norfolk State or Old Dominion is an FBS opponent, but basketball, I mean, it's it's all Division One. A uh, fifty-two years, I mean, at least in your tenure, is that something you tried to make happen in terms of having Old Dominion come to Norfolk State? Yeah, and it was always a no. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, you know, we played them at the scope, but you know, obviously a neutral site, and we played them at their place. But um, I think with COVID, you know, they. They they agreed, uh, you know. I think for a lot of different reasons, you know. One to try to break the, the to, to show cause that they break the 52 year you know cycle, but also, I mean, let's face it, Norfolk State Echoes wasn't going to be, um, you know, it wasn't going to be a packed house. If we would have played them in a non COVID time at, at Echoes Arena, I mean, you couldn't get into that place. I mean, it, people would be standing on top of each other after a 52 year 52 year drought. And um, I think the game was strategic, strategically um, accepted. And it's okay. You know, it is what it is. We were happy to play the game, and we're going to play them again, you know, in, in two years at, at their place for a home-and-home series. So, although strategically accepted, you know, we, we took the challenge, and we were, you know, we wish we could have gave them a, a full shot. That the voice, of course, of Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. He joins us here on the program. Devontae Carter right now leads you in scoring 14 points per game. Speak to his play so far through three games. Oh, this player's been tremendous. I mean, you know, he's a guy that's, like, stepping up to a new leadership scoring, you know, leadership and scoring role for us. Uh, he's a kid, you know, that averaged almost 10 points a game last year, but now he's, he's counting on to do way more than that. And especially until um, those other two gentlemen get back, the, the shoulder, you know, he, he really has to shoulder the scoring load for us. And, um, you know, right now he's playing, like, 36 minutes a game, and that's nowhere near what, 
we want them to play. I, I really don't want any of my players playing 36 minutes a game because I don't think that you're going to get max production from them. So he's playing that. You know, he's doing well. Um, you know, he's still adjusting some things. I think that he, you know, he has some. Sometimes he has some some bad turnovers or or, or bad shots due to fatigue, honestly. And um, you know, we like I said, we can't wait till those those other guys get back so he won't have to shoulder 36 minutes of action. But so far, he's done well. Uh, I think he felt a little slighted being only nominated for preseason third team. Uh, he thinks he's a better player than that. We think he's a better player than that. And I think he's trying to show everybody that he's a better player than that. Yeah, and then Daryl Anderson, he's averaging 12.7 points per game from for you, a game through three games. Uh, a guy that's coming off the bench is shooting 71% from the field. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, you know, Daryl's a guy that didn't really play that much last year. And we knew he was going to develop, but right now, I mean, you know, he's playing out of his mind right now. Now, granted, we hope he can keep that up because, once again, before the season, Daryl Anderson wasn't uh, a main focal point of us offensively. You know, so for him to be doing what he's doing now is great because now when Joe Bryan does get back and Kashawn Hicks does, you know, get back, now we have more options offensively. So this, this, that's the exciting part of the whole thing. So we want Daryl to keep up his, you know, his play, keep up shooting 71% if you can, and, um, you know, we're going to add those pieces to the puzzle and hopefully really have a really, really uh, strong team as the year goes on. And I, and I think we will have a really strong team as the year goes on. Yeah, I had a chance to see Joe Bryant uh, and you guys play against North Carolina A&T uh, on last year. Uh, when, when, is, when are you expecting him and Hicks to uh, possibly be back? We hope, you know, of course we hope for Monday. Um, and that's just what we, what we hope for. You know, what, we thought Joe was going to be able to play yesterday, but he wasn't. So, um you know, I don't know. You know, they'll they'll be back at some point. You know, soon. I I think because their, their injuries aren't like you know, it's not a major injury like an ACL or Achilles or you know anything like that. It's like a, you know some um uh, some just pain. You know, maybe arthritic type pain and some uh, you know, thigh contusion and things like that. So those things will go away and subside. So uh, we're just gonna patiently wait for their return. But at the same time, everybody else has to step up and um, be better. Game Robert Jones, wrapping it up with Robert Jones in his uh, eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, joins us here on the program. So Hampton, when, what are the expectations going up against Hampton? Coming off a nice win um, against George Washington, this is that rivalry battle of the Bay, and it's going to take – I mean, I, I realize, you know, it, it's not going it, it, to – same thing as you mentioned, Hampton, or as you mentioned with respect to Old Dominion, it would be packed there and Eccles not going to be the case Still, nonetheless, the Battle of the Bay, a great rivalry between the two schools. Oh, yeah, it's going to be incredible. I mean, you know, they're going to come out with great energy. We have to come back and bounce back. You know, they're looking to continue their a win streak, and we're, we're, we're trying to avoid a losing streak. So there's a lot of different uh, scenarios and a lot even outside of the Battle of the Bay. Um, so, you know, they're a good team. They're a good program. It's always, a, you know, a fun time when we get together. Um, and we, we actually, you know, we owe them from last year. You know, we started this four-year series once they went to the Big South. We beat them at our place. They beat us. They beat us at their place. So hopefully we can now keep the keep the trend going and beat them again at our place. But uh, it's gonna be a tough game. Um, like I told the guys last night, we have to get over this Old Dominion loss because the Old Dominion game, honestly, for this year, really overshadowed the Hampton game. You know, like because of the magnitude and the 52 year thing and, and things like that. That uh, I can't say people forgot about the Hampton game, but like no one was talking about the Hampton game in the area. I mean, honestly, like no one even. And usually that's the that's the game that people are talking about. But everybody's talking about the Old Dominion game, so I'm just trying to get the guys to understand that from a mental standpoint that although we lost the Old Dominion game, that doesn't define, that doesn't define who we are and how the season is going to be. So let's, uh, let's, let's get past that and let's get ready for a tough Hampton team on Monday. 
Robert Jones again in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Spartans are 2-1 and one on the season and has a uh, have a home tilt on Monday against Hampton. Coach Jones, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Spartans. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Should be a great game on Monday between Norfolk State and Hampton. I'll tell you what, if it wasn't COVID, I'd make the three-and-a-half-hour drive or so to Norfolk State to watch that game in person. I'm sure it's going to be online, so I will check it out. On the other side of the break, I don't know where we're going. We may talk a little college football, college basketball. Not sure, but come on back as you're locked into From the Press Box to Press Row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. You want to react to anything that Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, had to say, you can do so on Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two R O W. And I thought it interesting that he mentioned, he talked about Old Dominion and haven't they haven't played on the campus of Norfolk State uh, in 52 years uh which is absolutely crazy both teams in the same uh city as he mentioned what he say four miles apart from each other and uh I mean I can understand I think he's a little bit frustrated and would have loved to have had all his players and maybe a you know packed house but it is what it is and hopefully we'll see an old Dominion uh come back to Eccles uh, Arena and play that game. Again, it's not FBS, FCS, it's all Division One. You're both mid-majors, not, you know, even. It's not like, oh, okay, well, you're, a, you know, a Power Five conference, uh, if you will, basketball-wise, no. But uh, if you want to react to anything that Robert Jones had to say, uh, hit me up via Twitter or Facebook. So let me get back to the ACC and SEC spat because where the commissioner from uh, the SEC sits, uh, Greg Sankey, and I, I can understand his point. He's like, well, I mean, the ACC decides that it's going to have both Clemson and Notre Dame who sit at uh, number, let's see, number two and number three, or three and two respectively. Clemson is three and Notre Dame two right now in the college football playoff rankings. They're not going to each play the game leading into the ACC championship game on the 19th. I mean, I, I don't like, it's not like the opponents are, are great opponents for either either school. To be honest, like, like that, you know, 
I mean, there's so many things I want to break down here, but let me, let me stick to this point and then I'll, I'll go somewhere else with this. I mean, I can understand his point because, you know, you could get tripped up. Anything uh, could happen. I mean, you know, and that's the thing about COVID. Like, anything could happen. Like, you could have a player in one of those games uh, get coronavirus, be out for the championship game. Because at the end of the day, both of these teams are going to play in the championship game. And at the end of the day, I believe if Notre Dame were to beat Clemson for a second time, uh, if Ohio State keeps winning, of course, I mean, uh, you know, uh, that that's sort of a, uh, a different situation. The Big Ten, you know, they haven't played as many games as of yet, right? Um, but let's just say Ohio State keeps winning in Texas A&M, Florida, who are five and six respectively. Well, I mean, you know, Clemson would be out as far as I'm concerned. If the if the reverse happened, if Clemson defeated Notre Dame, you know, and uh, let's say, you know, Ohio State, you know, keeps winning and, you know, Texas A&M and Florida. I mean, I just don't see how you could. I mean, well, I'd give more of a chance to Notre Dame because they did beat Clemson. That's huge. When Clemson was number one pre college football playoff rankings but when they had the the number well I guess they were number two had the number uh a number number two ranking um in the country okay um that's significant but still like the schedule isn't strong um you've beaten a you know you've beaten a bunch of opponents that you mean the ACC just isn't that good like you know I mean Carolina was decent but we knew when Carolina was undefeated had to come up I mean, you know, we knew they were going to lose that football game, okay? So, you know, for me, I don't even know that Notre Dame could be part of this conversation. Even if Ohio State's not part of the conversation, if Texas A&M continues to win, Florida continues and beats Alabama A&M in the SEC championship game, I mean, Florida's got to be in that top spot. So I see, you know, what the ACC is doing uh, I mean, whether it will help them or not, uh, I mean, remains to be seen. I mean, I just don't see for sure, again, to repeat, for sure, if Notre Dame were to beat Clemson. Clemson can't. I, you know, you could talk to me about considering COVID and, you know, quarterback didn't play and all that kind of stuff. Like, no, no. Especially if you're looking at a Florida beating a, uh, a a a an Alabama, let's say, in a Texas A&M who's sitting right there at number five playing in the SEC? No. Uh, and then Notre Dame, I don't know that Notre Dame. So this is a good shot. Like, this is a great shot. Like, Notre Dame's got to stay on track. This is, a, you know, an opportunity, one of the, the uh, rare opportunities, especially late in the season, that Notre Dame is part of the conversation for the national championship. What what was it? Was it 2013, 2014? Uh, Notre Dame played in the national championship game, got blown out, right? So th- th- it was rare that this late in the season, okay? Um, but it's interesting, you know, the, the, the ACC, the SEC <laughs> go back and forth uh, tit for tat, but I can definitely understand where the SEC uh, is coming from. I can understand the ACC, doing what it did like we don't want to take any chances we're sitting in the the ACC is never going to be in this position again in a, in a regular year like no I mean like I'll give Miami a lot of credit like Miami's playing some good ball now I don't I don't want to I don't want to take anything away 
from Miami and the way that Miami is playing. But those are your top three teams. Everybody else is just, you know, mediocre at best, quite frankly, in the ACC. So this is the year, perhaps for the ACC, and the year that the ACC could win uh, another national champion, uh, another national championship. Other than, well, it, Clemson is obviously involved, but you have a Notre Dame situation. But it's interesting because even with the ACC, Clemson's the cream of the crop, no question about it. You, you look at Notre Dame; they're not going to be a part of this conference once COVID is over. So you know, I mean. This is a prime year for the ACC, and I can definitely see what the ACC is doing. Listen, I got to get ready to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you to Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, for joining us on the program today. Got some great information. Got the interview with Chris Fowler. It's up on our website at BoxToRow.com. Again, don't forget, we have the piece up that I did about the Mercure Maker situation. Again, it's not really about uh, Maker as much as it's about HBCUs. Go through some history and all of that. I invite you to give it a read at BoxToRow.com and then give me your thoughts on Twitter at BoxToRow on Facebook, uh, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W, or you can hit me up uh, on my personal Twitter account at D. Where one let's we can have a conversation about it. No question about that. I look forward to that as well. Got some great content on the website at BoxToRow.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Success sending out my lungs. Got the power, life, and death coming out my arms.